Serial Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to the Serial Entrepreneur podcast with me, Anna Flockett. I am super excited to be back with you all after a little break, but I can assure you that we are back and we are back stronger as today my guest is a soccer superstar turned entrepreneur. After a 14-year professional career playing both in the Major Soccer League and over here for Fulham, Leeds and Derby County, Eddie Lewis founded Toka Football to help soccer fans improve their game no matter what their skill level. Toka is the world's first technology-enabled soccer experience company founded on a small ball philosophy and the strong relationships built by playing the game, which has launched 13 facilities and the largest open earlier this year. Eddie, as a huge football fan, it is a pleasure to have you on our show today. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for joining us. And as it's called the Serial Entrepreneur Podcast, as I'm sure you're aware by now, my first question to everyone is, what is your favorite breakfast cereal and why? Wow, that's a great question. And as a kid, um, obviously I, I ate a ton of cereal. I think growing up, you know, Lucky Charms or, or Captain Crunch had to had to take the cake. You know, today it's it's probably more of the the granola route. Although I find myself probably, you know, drinking coffee and, and not even always having breakfast. But yeah, if I had to choose cereal now it would be it'd probably be granola. You guys are so lucky because Lucky Charms and Captain Crunch are probably two of the best cereals ever and we do not have them easily accessible here in the UK so <laughs> yeah I, I remember I remember we used to have to have it shipped over or when I was we were living in London there was one store that kind of had just a bunch of American stuff that you could buy at an extremely overpriced you know markup but there were a few things be- between like pancake mix or Lucky Charms that that you'd pay anything for for sure <laughs> I bet I bet well I have a million and one questions for you but I guess let's start with kind of a little bit more about yourself and your background how did you first kind of get into soccer yeah well uh, you know growing up kind of mid and late 80s in in California soccer obviously was not you know what it is is today you know there was no professional league or you know any any soccer that was or, or football available on tv so you know like most kids really you know soccer was kind of a three month a year thing right you played in the fall and then you played baseball or flag football and then you know ran track or you know whatever else it was so you know for me early on I loved sports and played you know a bunch of sports but you know soccer was just kind of what all the kids did during during one season and then obviously you know over time I just you know really kind of grew my my love for that sport definitely and you obviously mentioned like you know baseball and there's like American football but did you always kind of like know when you were younger that you wanted to take soccer further and you wanted to be like a professional soccer player yeah no it's 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 interesting my dad was really pushing me to be a professional tennis player I played a lot of tennis and and golf a bit as a kid as well and you know he he kind of just saw it as listen tennis was was where all the money was so you know why wouldn't you choose that sport you know you can you can be good at any of them. And that was obviously not, you know, great motivation for me. So, you know, to be honest, soccer had never really been a long-term goal until, you know, really I was kind of 12 or 13 and had made a decision, you know, and kind of told my dad, listen, I'm, I don't want to play tennis. I really want to focus on, on soccer. I've, I've just sort of fallen in love with this sport. And, 
you know, I really kind of want to pour everything into it, which, you know, in, in, in many ways also became kind of the foundation for, for Tilka as well. So, you know, an interesting path, you know, back then in, in America, the landscape was, was very different and, you know, soccer didn't really have a, a traditional path to it, but I think it, it, it really was just about you know, individuals who, who had fallen in love with the sport for, for no other reason than they just, you know, enjoyed playing it. Definitely. And I know you obviously kind of like started your professional career in America at San Jose and you finished later at the LA Galaxies and played for some of the English teams in between. You came over to the UK and played football. But kind of like how, before I ask you a million and one questions about your career, how did you, you know, go from being a professional footballer and that career to then founding a, a business around, obviously, soccer? But yeah, how did Toka come about? Yeah, you know, those were two very, very different, you know, experiences for, for sure. And I think, you know, the path to, as I said, becoming, you know, a professional footballer really was, you know, driven off this, you know, this idea and, and kind of that I had developed this training idea through you know, this, this tennis ball and tennis ball machine. So, you know, in many ways, the path to my professional career also became sort of the foundation for this entrepreneurial journey, you know, as well. So in many ways, they were, you know, they were sort of connected. But, you know, at the same time, obviously, you know, being a, a footballer until you're, you know, 36, and then, you know, launching a business at, at 37, they were two, two very different worlds. And, you know, it definitely took a a little bit to kind of you know figure out this this new landscape for sure but i think the the fact that becoming a professional and and constantly trying to earn the right to you know have the shirt every week and playing for new teams and understanding how teams are built you know and and as an individual trying to continue to to sustain that career it it really i think provided a lot of great skill sets for you know what would then become you know becoming an entrepreneur yeah Definitely. I mean, they kind of seem to go hand in hand in some ways. But tell me more about kind of like Toka. Um, I obviously gave a little intro at the beginning, but like, tell me from your point of view, you know, what does it do? How does it work? Where where did the idea come from? Sure. Yeah. So so growing up, as I said, I was a, a player that I think, you know, was was good at sports, had a lot of potential. But really, because I had come into the game, you know, full time, very late, I just lacked the technical kind of skill set that a lot of the better players had. And I was always kind of searching for this this way to to catch the rest of the, the, the world up, right? And I'd, I'd gone to college as this really outside recruit that, that again, the coach felt, hey, I, I had potential, I was very raw, but, you know, let's let's bring him in and, and, you know, if it pans out, you know, sort of great, but we're not really really banking on this guy and our our locker room was inside the basketball gym so a lot of times before we'd go out for training if the basketball team was training we'd watch them and one one day they rolled out this uh, basketball hoop that was you know smaller than than the regulation basketball hoop and the idea was they were going to train you know you, you train their three-point shots on this smaller hoop and obviously by by perfecting you know, they're shot on this smaller hoop when they went into the game and moved on this much bigger hoop, um, you know, they'd be more successful. So I took that concept and then went home, went into the parking garage kind of next to, to my apartment and took a tennis ball 
and began to just sort of throw it against the wall and began working on skill sets that either my weak foot or areas that I really needed improvement. You know, I'd throw the ball 30 or 40 times and I don't know, a car would come or something would happen and I'd have to kind of get out of there. But within a couple of weeks, I noticed an improvement, you know, and for me, that was the real kind of light bulb moment. Um, You know, I then began uh, searching this at the time, this is kind of pre-internet. So this, this newspaper called The Recycler, that basically you can just buy secondhand items. And I, and I searched for a while in the sports area looking for a used tennis ball machine. And eventually I, I stumbled across one and it was this portable tennis ball machine. So I purchased it, you know, bought a couple of hundred tennis balls and drove off to this industrial estate, you know, kind of put myself in a corner and just thought, okay, you know, let's see if we can really kind of crank up the volume on this and, and, and see what it does. And, and honestly, that was, that was it. I think the first day I, I, I probably had, you know, a thousand different balls sent at me and, and, you know, really within six months, I had already begun to caught up, you know, almost all the best players around me. And, you know, I, I really had stumbled upon this concept that now, you know, allowed me to, you know, at the technical level, be as, be as good as some, you know, some of the best players in the world. So for me, it was a, it was a total game changer and, you know, really gave me the, the launch pad to kind of move on to the national scene and eventually, you know, become a professional. Yeah, definitely. Like the ambition and the drive you had obviously really paid off. It's, yeah, it's amazing to kind of read what, what you've done. How does the actual technology behind it work? So what technology does Toka involve? And yeah, talk me through if I was going to use it, how it would work. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, you know, obviously a tennis ball machine was nice, but it, it had, you know, a lot of challenges still, you know, sort of associated with it. So, you know, as I retired, really my goal was to to take the concept and, and you know, kind of make this whole concept a little more soccer specific. So we created a, a ball machine that we call the touch trainer that really, it delivers a ball that's, you know, bigger than a tennis ball, but, you know, much smaller than a, than a regulation size ball. So the concept of still, you know, dealing with a smaller ball is, is there, but you can, you can pass and, and control and shoot the ball with, with really the same technique you'd use on a, on a regulation size ball. So we don't lose any of those, you know, technical focuses, but at the same time, you know, it is, it is a harder ball to control. And once we developed the, the touch trainer, we now had the ability to control it remotely with your phone, which gave us access to all kinds of different delivery options, whether we were, you know, wanting to receive the ball on the ground, in the air, you know, bouncing fast, slow. We, we manage the, the, the time in between the repetitions. So if we want a lot of balls very quickly delivered, you know, in kind of a rapid fire approach, we can do that or stretch out the intervals to have, you know, much more physical movements in between. So really depending on what kind of game-like situation we're trying to recreate, there's, you know, almost any type of, of delivery that can be, that can be attained. And, and along the way, I had, because of this time with these industrial, you know, kind of estates and, and trying to manage the balls and all the rest, I had this concept for this, this studio that we were calling it, which was basically, you know, initially, it was kind of being referred to as, as sort of batting cages for soccer. But the concept was similar in that, you know, how do we, how do we now control the environment and, and maximize the space so that we could get as many repetitions as possible, but at the same time be, be efficient and, 
and have enough room to do the same things you would in a in a game. And I think from that standpoint, you know, that was really when the when the Toka Studio was created, and and you know the business really began began to take off. We started bringing people in, testing the concept, and and even as the technology failed, you know, parents would 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 come to me and say, "Listen, Eddie, we understand it's no problem. You know, we want to be back here next week." <laughs> so. You know, at that moment, you know, I really knew, okay, this wasn't just, this wasn't just me. You know, there's a, a whole market for this. And, you know, I think we can, we can bring this to the world. Definitely. Well, like you say, I hadn't thought of it like that, but it, it kind of is like batting cages, but like for the, the soccer scene. And it's amazing that nothing like this has been created before. Because obviously, like you say, everyone seems to kind of love it as they would. And as the world's first technology enabled soccer experience, this may be an obvious question now, but how has the response been like? Is it, has it been kind of like hard to keep up with demand? I know you've opened like more and more facilities, but yeah, it seems to have taken yeah, off. That, that's exactly right. You know, it really, I think because everyone's had a, a you know, or at least in America, a, a frame of reference that was that was similar, right? There's a reason why there's there's batting cages or a driving range or, you know, in, anything else, right? People understand the value of, of the repetitions and the practice. And, you know, football is one of those sports that it's, it's difficult because it's, it's with your feet, right? Nothing is, is natural. So just because I'm a, I'm a good athlete or, you know, really fast or, or strong, you know, doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to be good with the ball, right? And the number of touches required to kind of turn those feet into, into hands, if you will, takes time. And, you know, with Toka, we've allowed individuals to to really kind of maximize that time and if if at the end of it it really boils down to to touches on the ball and practice and and recreating these situations you know we wanted to take all of those elements distill them down into an environment that allowed you to to do that kind of over and over and you know almost you know in our, in our perfect world you know we want to kind of eliminate those that technical barrier from from the sport altogether right we think yeah. there's there's too many players that are left behind because they just don't don't quite have the technical skill set and most of the time most of the time that's not because of their ability but instead it's just either they they started playing later or they played other sports or maybe they didn't have access to to great coaching so, you know so for us we you know we think we can we can eliminate that barrier you know through the use of our technology definitely i mean like you say, it's already been like a massive hit. And, you know, with kind of like the past year and a half, kind of COVID stopping sports for a little while and stuff, were you guys able to, I'm guessing kids still couldn't come and use your facilities when COVID or was it kind of a blessing because they were able to come and use it even where those soccer wasn't able to still be going on? Yeah, that was a big, well, it's a big moment for, for all of us, right? As As COVID kind of really took shape, we were all very you know, concerned, but the reality was a couple of things happened. As you said, you know, really large group gatherings were, you know, were not allowed, but, you know, individual training was, and we had this really unique situation where players couldn't play, but they were allowed to train. So, you know, for us, we became, you know, really a, a, an even stronger hub for these soccer players because they wanted to keep training, but they weren't allowed to, to go out and practice with their teams. So, as a business, we were very, you know, very fortunate, you know, from from that regard. And you know, I think nobody really knew quite going into it, and I don't think anyone would 
would ever wish a, a pandemic on, on anyone. But um, it did provide a unique opportunity for us to really stand out uh, and differentiate ourselves even even more as a company. Yeah, definitely. Like, I was thinking, you know, you guys were kind of like a, an amazing idea anyways that everyone loved, and then even more so when they weren't allowed, you know, like you say, to go out in the groups and practice, that you guys are there to offer them that that facility. That's, that's amazing. If you're enjoying this episode, then check out Rebel in Progress with Rachel Matthews, a podcast exploring entrepreneurship, creativity, rebellion, and the future of work. They featured founders, creatives, and experts to discuss topics from future-proofing to automation, leadership, and even the link between sleep and innovation. You can listen to their latest episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching Rebel in Progress with Rachel Matthews. And you can also follow them on www.rebelinprogress.com or at Rebel in Progress on Instagram. Taking it back a little bit again to, obviously, your incredible career... What have some of the challenges that you faced in your life as both an entrepreneur, but also as a professional soccer slash football player? Oh, geez. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of those for sure. I mean, you know, as an American growing up wanting to be a footballer, um, and, and certainly, you know, 20 years ago, that was, that came with, with a lot of challenges. You know, first of all, just in America, right, there wasn't really very much support for that. You know, there were there were coaches around, but the experience was was definitely limited. You know, there wasn't much you know soccer available you know on TV. So I think you know those of us that were that were really passionate about it, you know, were desperate to see any game that was available. You know, kind of kind of one day a week, right? And and learning what the best players were doing or how the best player you know teams were playing was actually a challenge. And I know that seems ridiculous today, given all the the content that's available but uh, yeah I remember coming over to to Europe and I'd signed with Fulham and it was probably within the first couple of weeks that I realized I had been you know in America I had now been playing for the national team for a little while probably been coached by some of the best coaches in America but in many ways I felt like I didn't know anything about football, you know, and I was almost starting starting over in, in many ways, which was great and provided a, a tremendous experience, you know, for me. But I think that was a, a another huge huge learning learning curve. You know, playing in America was was very different than than playing in England, and um, not just the the footballing style, but you know the the, the competitiveness and you know just more of the cutthroat mentality it was it was very very different but it provided just an an awesome experience for me as an individual and and then as I moved you know kind of into this entrepreneurial world obviously a whole a whole new set of set of challenges right going from a footballer to an entrepreneur you know almost kind of overnight was a challenge I really had no true business experience you know we were uh, I was kind of at a at a point where I was trying to fund this this business and this concept, but also, you know, my family and and everything else as well. I had, you know, opportunities to to coach at different MLS teams or broadcast opportunities, but really, you know, kind of just felt like if I don't if I don't go all in on this on this concept and this this dream, I'm never going to really be able to, you know, to fully commit to it and you know see it through. So that was. Um, you know, that was a, a big challenge as well. And then obviously, you know, all of the smaller steps that I think most 
most startups go through how to fundraise you know how to how to make sure you're picking you know the the right partners right the the time it takes to to even fundraise early on you know for me fundraising was was hard enough and and you know finding the right type of capital and and patient capital or or strategic money but the time that it took if you have a small team to really you know build those decks or build those financial models or or whatever it is that that goes into those you know consumes so much of your time when you're really trying to trying to build the business at the same time so you know huge huge efforts you know early on and you know certainly grateful to be to be where I am today I mean yeah both kind of like avenues that you've taken have have obviously been amazing and like just hearing you speak for the past like 20 minutes or so I can kind of like feel how much like ambition and drive you have like you were saying how you really went for the business even though you you had other opportunities that you could have just you know taken broadcasting or other avenues but like what really interests me is that the jump you said from playing soccer in America to coming over to you know the English Football League because I'm I'm sure I read that in 1999 you were named in the MLS best 11 so you like in America you were you were the best of the best like you were up there and then obviously coming to Fulham it, it was still quite a shock for you how did you settle into the well to to life at Fulham and to English football because you guys were then promoted to the Premiership, weren't you? So you were obviously doing something right. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. I mean, I, I make no mistake about it. I, I loved it. You know, it was, it was really challenging. But you know, at the same time, I think the, the thing that I loved most about, you know, England or or Europe was, you know, first of all, if you're going to play professional football, you know, that's where you want to be. That's sort of the 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 center of the universe and. You know, it it also provided this environment in which, if if you did well, like the sky was the limit. You know, you could go all the way to the top, and if you were crap, you were out, and they were gonna, you know, send you home. And I, I liked that. You know, I liked everything about that kind of, you know, intensity and and the fact that you know every single week, and and certainly as a foreigner, and and probably more importantly as an American foreigner, you know, there was, I was constantly feeling like I, I needed to kind of prove myself. But at the same time, you know, the excitement and, and the pressure around all the games, you know, the fact that fans both in a, in a positive and negative way were really intense, made, at least made it feel like what we were doing mattered, right? And um, as a player, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great feeling. It's why, you know, it's why today it's it's so hard to watch the games, you know, now because as as good as the quality is, you know, at times it's just not the same without the fans, you know. Yeah, definitely. And you, you can kind of like feel that just watching it on the, t- the TV, can't you? Obviously, you you kind of just touched on that, but what were some of your best memories from playing professional soccer and football? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess I'd have to say the World Cups for sure, you know, 2002 in particular I think we you know we went further than any American team today still is gone you know so that was a really a really special group and a, and a special time I think that you know we felt like we really kind of legitimized you know kind of the American soccer presence at that time you know there were a lot of players that were really you know like me trying to forge their way into Europe and and you know begin to establish a reputation you know for the country that you know 
Americans were were kind of here to stay, you know, to a to a certain extent. So that was that was a ton of fun. You know, I really enjoyed my time at at Leeds when I was in in the UK. That was a really special special club for me. I felt like that was a big really just a big club. You know, I loved the pressure that was associated with playing there. Um I loved the fact that everywhere we went, even for away games, you know, the Leeds fans had always sort of had some sort of history with with whoever we were playing's fans, so there was just an intensity, you know, about those games. I played in a couple of playoff finals that were just incredible experiences and I think even even besides playing in in you know big Premier League stadiums, you know, there's very rarely a moment where you know, unless it's kind of a cup final that you can play in a game in which it's a huge stadium and literally half the fans are for one team and half the fans are for the other. And that's just the sound and the and the power that that comes out of that crowd, you know, when you're down in the field is 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 incredible because it's not a home game. You know, it's not an away game. You just have two, you know, kind of rival fans. I can remember in, in the first or the second playoff final, you know, just going out for the warm-up. And the fans were so loud back and forth at each other that, you know, as I was kind of running across the field to warm up, you can, you, you know, you couldn't hear anything. You know, your ears were starting to to crackle. And, you know, your e- equilibrium was, was almost off. You almost felt like you were losing your balance as you were running because it was it was so loud and everyone's heart was racing it was those were those are great great memories definitely and I mean you said obviously Leeds has like a special place in your heart sort of thing well you were voted Leeds fans player of the year weren't you in 2006 2007 so you must have made a big impression with those guys because like you say the Leeds fans are quite hard to crack (laughs) putting it lightly (laughs) Yeah, like obviously your career is, is so colourful and obviously yourself one of the greats, of course, but who were some of the other kind of best players that you think you played alongside? Yeah, oh wow, there's God, so many for, for different reasons. I do, you know, back in in America, um, you know, people would often remember if I played, you know, because I played for the Galaxy when I went back and David you know, Beckham was on the team, you know, I would always get questions about, you know, sort of David Beckham and, you know, how good a player is he and is he really that great and all the rest. And, you know, I will say he's he's probably, you know, an easy target to want to be able to uh, say something about. But in all honesty, it's amazing to me that a guy at that level, not just sort of on the field, but, you know, off the field as well, can be as composed and, and down to earth as he is you know he lived in and really at the time in America was a completely different you know sort of universe and you know players of all kinds of different different levels and, and when you play on big teams and everybody's kind of of the same level it's it's very easy and you know I always really really respected the fact that when he could have been you know really big time about any situation was totally down to earth uh, a complete professional and really held his own standards high no matter what kind of the the circumstances on on the field so that was that was a lot of fun you know to be able to play with him you know was was great there were you know i can i can remember at fulham we had van de Sar as our goalkeeper and the ability to like i've never been so excited to kind of score in practice than you know when you could score on van de Sar because he just took kind of goalkeeping you know to 
to another level. There were some um, some other really good players there. Louis Saha, who went on to Man United, was was a lot of fun to to train and watch. But you know, for me, over the years, I think there were great players to to play with, and and certainly some fantastic players to to play against. But you almost don't realize it until kind of after you've left and after you've retired, because at the moment everybody's just um, kind of just another player on the field, right? Definitely. And I mean, like you say, there's there's some great talent, obviously, in, in English football, but like in um, American soccer as well. I want to know how, we did touch on this at the beginning, but like how hard it really is to break into the, the soccer scene in America. And if Toka will be helping, you know, all the younger generations and we'll see more even amazing american players come through in the future because of the the facilities that you guys are providing yeah without a doubt and in fact i think one of the things we're we're most proud of is the fact that you know toka training is is obviously inclusive and you know we have a lot of players who are just learning the sport and are are very young and we train a ton of of professionals as well and you know not only you know americans trying to break into the mls but you know, a lot of female professionals as well. And I think, you know, for us, players understand, and certainly the players at the highest level, you know, understand how how much of a difference, you know, good techni- technical ability can, can make in their game. So I think we have a, a huge appetite from both, you know, professional or aspiring professional, you know, male and female players. And, you know, for us and, and for me personally, that's, you know, that's a huge, huge ambition because I think, you know, we can do a lot, you know, to continue to help to grow the women's game, both, you know, domestically as well as internationally. And, you know, I'd also like to be able to look back one day and say, you know, we had a, we, we had a big impact on, you know, how we continued to help, you know, the men's national team, you know, challenge the rest of the world. Definitely. I mean, obviously the America's uh, male team is, constantly improving you've got some amazing current players at the moment but the america uh, ladies team is arguably one of the best in the world um so that is obviously great to see and you guys obviously are doing something really well over there i wanted to ask also obviously one of the the points with toka is obviously it's kind of like football is is constantly expanding and it's becoming ever ever increasingly popular do you guys just have facilities in the u.s at the moment and is there plans to kind of go global worldwide or are you just going to keep it over there so it's just the americans that get really good at football and then (laughs) (laughs) just our secret weapon for sure no yeah absolutely i mean i think that you know the landscape is is very different in you know all of the, the different countries you know some of the the more established countries have you know a really a really strong infrastructure when it when it comes to player development you know i think there are a lot of really big emerging you know soccer markets uh, the US is is certainly one of them so you know tackling the US market is is certainly a big enough challenge but we do have a presence with a with a group in Sweden and you know we've been very careful we have some centers in Canada and here in North America but we've been careful about you know when the right time to to kind of dip our toe into into the international markets are but you know at the end of the day you know football is is football so the same challenges you know players have here are uh, many of the same challenges you know players have in in Europe or anywhere else so you know we're we're excited about the opportunity i think for us as a company we kind of want to get all of our ducks in a row and and make sure we're ready to kind of scale at that level before we really do it but 
yes, to, to answer your question, it's a, it's a big ambition of ours. And, you know, I think in the next couple of years, you'll start to see us, as I said, dip our toe into, into some of those markets. Definitely. And obviously with your passion for, you know, soccer, your career, and now kind of in the entrepreneurship scene, um, you mentioned previously that you had like coaching opportunities um, and obviously broadcasting. Would you ever go back into the soccer scene for like coaching or yeah, in, in other avenues? Yeah, you know, and, and I'm, I'm asked about that often and, and it's, it's hard because there's there are parts of it that I, I miss. I, I really do. You know, I mean, you know, yesterday, I was watching the the Champions League game and and just uh, I do there's parts of it that I that I miss for sure but it's it's difficult you know Toka consumes so much of my time you know now and I don't see that changing you know really anytime soon and to be a great coach or to be a great broadcaster or anything else in the game you also have to commit or fully commit to it you know and I, and I and I wouldn't want to go down that route unless unless I could do that you know so so at the minute I think I have more than than my plate full, you know, kind of with with Toka here, but you know, we'll see. There's still still a lot of time left, but you know, to answer your question, yeah, I do. I you know, I'll always be connected to the game and be in love with the game whether it's, you know, contributing on the field or or sort of just a fan or, you know, hopefully soon while I'm having a beer in a in a Toka social center. Yeah. Never say never. Is that that's what they say? But I mean, what you guys have done, well, obviously, what your yourself have done with uh, Toka is amazing. So yeah, I want you to kind of carry on with that one, with that venture too. Just a little side question that I have just thought of: Do you have a a particular team that you support here in the UK, and the same over in the major soccer league? Do you have two teams, or? Yeah, it's 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 funny because again, growing up, like we didn't have you know, access to many games in, in Europe, right? So I think every once in a while there would be like a, a game of the week that they would they would show on like one of the cable channels, but those were always different teams every week. So we didn't get a, a ton of, of the Premier League. For whatever reason, there was a period where they showed kind of a, a Dutch league game and then kind of a, a Serie A league game. So for whatever reason, as a kid... They were, they always had AC Milan on and and Ajax games. So you know I I kind of liked those two clubs a bit as a kid. You know when I got to the UK or just before it seemed like everybody was you know a Man U fan. So I thought okay I definitely can't do that. But I didn't I, I can't say I really have a deep passion for for one club. You know in in the UK. You know the MLS is is pretty similar. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, I played for, for San Jose. So I always have a, a, you know, soft spot for them. They were my, my first team. They've not been particularly great, but you know, other than that, there's, there's two teams in LA now. I seem to have either friends or colleagues that all either coach or, or work at some of the different clubs. So I don't mind supporting some of them for, for those guys, but I will say, and for what it's worth, my son, is is a massive Man City fan, and I'm not sure if I like that or, or or not. They, you know, he was getting right into that age as they were, you know, kind of taking off and winning everything. So I think, like most kids, um, he thought, hey, they seem to be the best team, so I'm going to support them. So I'm I, I can't I can't really kind of go with them either, just because you know that's his team now. But we'll see, we'll see. There's there's still time. Definitely. And when you said Man U, I thought, oh gosh, you can't support Man U playing for Leeds. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> do you still keep an eye on and have like a little soft spot for like Leeds and Fulham and even Derby down in the championship? Yeah, most definitely. You know, all, all, all of them, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, every week, but always interested to kind of see results. And, you know, the good news is now it's it's so accessible and, and, and so available. So, you know, that's been, you know, that's been a lot of fun. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, we have some, some really good young, you know, American talent now being scattered around, you know, some of the different teams and, and certainly within the Premier League. So it's always good to, to keep an eye on them as well. Yeah, well, Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, he's American on fire at the moment. I think he was the first American to score in a Champions League semi-final this week. So yeah, you guys are, you guys are doing something great. Before I kind of wrap us up, because I know I have kept you for so long I could talk to you all day I want to ask another big question and basically if you could go back both as a soccer player and an entrepreneur to the beginning of your journeys would you do anything different in either pathway wow you know I think I'm I'm somebody who really tries to keep looking forward you know I suppose looking back there's there's probably a, a number of of things that I could have done differently or or maybe even better but in many ways you know, I do kind of enjoy the fact that I've, I've taken a very unorthodox, you know, sort of path, and I probably will, will continue to to do so. And I think more than anything, whether it's been the easiest or or most efficient path or not, I do still like the idea that I, I was kind of willing to follow my heart on, on any of these these ventures. And you know, if you if you kind of stay to it and stay at it and you, and you really believe in what you're doing it generally kind of works out for itself or at least it it, it kind of has for me so I, I do like the fact that although it probably wasn't you know the easiest or maybe even the, the best decisions at the time you know I think just kind of following what you love you know eventually either works itself out or at least gives you the comfort in knowing that you gave it a go right yeah definitely well you've obviously followed your passion kind of like in both big aspects of your life so yeah it is it's very inspiring to see and so my final question for you today I know we have touched on it a little bit with your um, eventual global domination but what is kind of next for Toka or what like what's like the most new current thing that you guys have been up to yeah I think that I think the thing we're we're most excited about is is Toka Social and that goes live in London this summer and you know if 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 you're not aware, socials really, you know, we took this concept of that we had through the through the training product. And what we found out was everybody who comes in wants to kind of have a have a go at this touch trainer, meaning if there was a player who was uh, a young player coming in for training, you know, we often had their brother or sister that wanted to jump in the studio and, you know, sort of hit some volleys or, you know, shoot on a target or whatever else or the parents they wanted to jump in there or the dad and you know so for us that became really the 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 launch pad for what eventually turned in into toka social and now the idea that you know we've created this destination where you know you can come in and and eat and drink and um you know play these interactive football games um using our our proprietary technology you know for me just I'm so thrilled because I think you know like me the the world is going to love the concept and you know just the idea that you can hang out with your friends and have a few beers uh, or a few drinks uh, have some great food and at the same time 
you know, smash some volleys or score some goals, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely. Sounds like such a like great community feel and sounds like, like you say, something that the world definitely needs right now. So yeah, super excited for that. Did you say that launches this summer? Yep, this summer at the O2 in, in London. So it's, you know, we're really excited about the the opportunity there it's a it's you know it's not about playing football so really any person you know of any level it's it's really designed for the fans um and and fans of the game even if you've never never played before right we're 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 really just you know using soccer or football as as the lens from which we can you know build you know hopefully community and connections with people and you know hopefully have some fun while we're doing it Definitely, well, I might go down. It sounds amazing. Yeah, you 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 need to please. We'd we'd love to have you there. It's going to be a ton of fun. I know I'm making my way over there, you know, for the open, and uh, I'll be there every night. That's for sure. Oh wow, amazing! Well, Eddie, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Honestly, it's been. I'm probably not allowed to say this, but definitely my favorite chat of this podcast so far. So honestly, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's very nice. And um, it was it was my pleasure as well. Thank you for having me. Serial Entrepreneur.